Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? of you that are maybe in my generation, you've heard that song before, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. We're going to tie it into what we're talking about today. My name is Sugbury, and I'm the host of Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. And today's topic is really hot. And in fact, it's so hot, a lot of us don't even like to talk about it. What is it about? The title is called, I Was Born This Way. Remember Lady Gaga sang that song, I Was Born This Way? And it's titled, A Gay Son Journey to God. Today we have Christopher Yuan, Professor Christopher Yuan, and he wrote a wonderful book with his mother, Angela, called Out of a Far Country, as well as he has other books as well. And I can't wait to dig into our topic. Miss Becky Danielson is co-hosting with me as well. Becky, would you please introduce our guest? I would love to. And if you haven't heard the first segment, I would go back and listen to the first segment after you've heard this. Christopher Yuhan is a professor at Moody Bible Institute. He has a speaking ministry on faith and sexuality that's reached over five continents. He's got three books, one of which, um, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope, he co-authored with his mother. It's a beautiful story, especially if you're dealing with prodigals, ladies. He has uh, written two other books, Giving a Voice to the Voiceless, that we'll talk about a little bit today, and also Sexuality in the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. He is a wealth of information, and I think in a tremendous inspiration to many, and his mother and father are such a great inspiration. His mom in particular, I am just absolutely wowed mm. and in awe of. You know, you don't have to have someone in your life that's battling with same-sex attraction. Um, you know, it's any prodigal, as Becky had said. Anybody who's fallen away, anybody who's not walking with Christ, um, you can listen to this and relate to it. So, Dr. Christopher Yuan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, Shug and Becky. Hey, Becky, had you heard that song before? Yes, I have heard that song. You know, it's in the book that Christopher talks about, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree. Can you tell us why that song might be significant to you? Well, um, if you know the story at all. Um, and listen to I part mean, one. Just, well, well, yes. But, uh, but with, the, with the song, you know, today we kind of associate tying a yellow ribbon to soldiers coming home. And, um, you know, I am a Marine, you know, because once a Marine, always a Marine. So there's, I, I love that connection there and wel- welcoming, you know, the soldiers and the Marines that, that come home. But the story or the, the, the story in the song is not about soldier, a soldier coming home. It's, a, it's about a prisoner coming home. Yes. So I didn't know all that because um, I just connected it to military coming home. Uh, but when I actually saw the lyrics, uh, and, and if you hear it, it's right in the um, – the chorus, I yellow, the yellow ribbon around the old low tree. I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, <laughs> but it's the second line, it's been three long years. I was in prison for three years. 
and I was coming home. So if you would read, and I can never get through chapter 31 without, um, it's very emotional for me, but I, my parents came to pick me up. They were the only people that came to visit me in prison. Um, and it was, uh, all my friends had just deserted me, but they didn't. The people that I rejected were the only people that really loved me. And um, so anyway, they picked me up, brought me home, and they were actually bringing me to the halfway house, but the prison allowed an extra hour on you know, driving. So we actually were able to stop by home, and we passed by, um, and we don't have an oak tree in our front yard, my parents, but we have a pine tree. So they, they have a yellow uh, ribbon tied around the old pine tree. And, um, but I, we walked in the foyer, and um, there was... My parents had on repeat a CD with Tony Orlando's song playing from the night before when they left to pick me up, and then they had it still playing. So it and it came in and it was reading, uh, playing this, and um, in the foyer were a hundred yellow ribbons tied on the inside, and it was all tacked up. And it wasn't just from the, it wasn't from them. It was actually my my mom had planned this out and sent it to a hundred of the people that had been praying for me, um, over a hundred people that had been praying for me. Many of them were part of BSF. Some of them were, you know, people who were in her discussion group because she was a leader for several years, um, actually many, many years. And uh, during that time, that was kind of her lifeline. Uh, but they prayed for me, people, unknown people, some people who I've yet to meet. And so it's just really significant. There's a lot of parallel there and a lot of significance. Um, but, you can go to YouTube and read how I actually narrated that part um, to surprise my mom at a conference that I spoke. It was actually my anniversary from coming home, but uh, that's on my YouTube channel. You can listen to that. It's uh, it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. And I've read that, you know, my own book several, several times. And it's just, it's really powerful. Um, just the work of God in my parents that they were just Christ, um, visual Christ, the hands and feet of Christ for me. Christopher, it, it absolutely warms my heart and stirs my soul when I think of the parenting piece in this and how your mother must have worn out her knees praying for you and to have these other 100 prayer warriors around. And I think with, with me in parenting ministry and speaking to so many parents and speaking into the, their lives and trying to tell them, you know what, having a prodigal, having challenges in your family is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Last In our last seg- segment, um, you talked about parents. It's not the happiness that matters. It's the holiness that matters. Yeah. And you wrote, quote, the primary goal of Christian parenting is not necessarily to produce godly children, but first and foremost, to be godly parents. That struck such a chord in me because our goal, I mean, parents across the nation, they want their kids to be happy. Oh, I want them to be happy. And the goal is to make them holy. Mm-hmm. How can you, how does your story help that? What did your mom, um, how did your mom move this forward in that holiness is so much more important than your happiness? Well, you know, I think that's common for most parents. Um, and I hear this all the time for Christian parents. I don't blame non-Christian parents who say this, but they said, well, as long as my parents are happy. And no, <laughs> I was happy as can be doing drugs. And that's not pleasing to God. I could be making a million dollars a year and be happy in the world, but that leads to death. God never once in the Bible says, I want you to be happy. Never once. But he says over many times from the Old Testament and the New Testament that he wants us to be holy. 
and holiness and happiness don't always coincide. And oftentimes it's through the pain that we are sanctified. But, you know, I, I think, and, and sure, I like how, how you talked about this and Becky as well, that about prodigals. But, but here's the reality. I mean, it's not just uh, people who, parents who have, you know, have children who, who, are, who have walked away. But the reality is every parent is a parent of a prodigal. Yes. Every parent was a prodigal. Every one of us were or are prodigals. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the whole, none of us were perfect. Not, we're all sinners. And every one of us had to come to Christ, even if we were from a Christian family. And this is so applicable to this topic of homosexuality, why parenting uh, and has been misused. And I think of all of this, parents, when it comes to homosexuality, are the ones that get beat up the most. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. Because I think for a long time, Christians, we have misdiagnosed sexuality. In other words, we have placed the blame on parents. Mm-hmm. Where do I get this? I'm sure many of your listeners and watchers have heard this before, something like this, where people would say that the primary root causes of homosexuality are an absentee father, dominant mother, or abuse in one's childhood. And not to say that poor parenting negatively influences children. It does, but it's not the main cause. See, there's a difference between saying an influence and a cause, Mm -hmm. because if we say something like those things, the bad parenting things is the cause, well, the way that then you undo that is to then correct the environment or to improve parenting. That's what causes people to sin. No, the Bible never says that the cause of sin is parents. That can be an influence, but the cause of sinful behavior is our own sin nature. The cause of sinful behavior is the fall, original sin, and that's the real problem. Why is that? Why does that matter? Because when we misdiagnose something and we give the wrong diagnosis, we will come up with the wrong treatment. When we have the correct diagnosis, will come the correct treatment. The only correct diagnosis is this. Sin is the problem, and the correct treatment is that Jesus is the answer. It's not Jesus plus something. Mm-hmm. It's just Jesus. And yet so many parents who contact us, I mean, I think I have this incredible blessing and honor to be able to minister with my parents, that it's my mother, my father, and I, and, you know, they're 80 and 78, so they're getting, you know, older, but... Praise the Lord, they're still healthy, and we travel together, and I know that our years are probably numbered to do this together, so it really is my privilege to do that. But we have this uh, very unique ministry where it's parents and prodigal to minister together, so we get a lot of parents that contact us, and the majority of times it's these parents that are blaming themselves and even blaming each other. I knew this uh, this pastor and his wife, they're almost at the brink of divorce because they were blaming each other. Because, you know, well, you do this. And actually, they probably were doing things very much right, not perfect, but as right as they could. And yet, one of their child's experiencing such attractions, even then eventually identified as gay and walked away from God. Mm. But we cannot, the last thing that we need to do is blame parents and heap undue guilt. Because I'm reminded that perfect parenting doesn't cause, doesn't guarantee perfect children. Look at Adam and Eve. Didn't they have a perfect father, perfect environment? They still rebelled. You know, well, and, that's why, you know, it's the job of Christian parent is not to, to, to produce godly children, but it's simply to be a godly parent and then let well, God be God. And to be the influence for those children. You know, it's, it's, yes. they, they learn what they live, not what we speak mm-hmm. at them. And the other, the other thing that, that crossed through my mind as you were speaking, and this is right out of Scripture, Christopher, in that when, when the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? 
and said, yeah. neither. This was this is the way it is so that God could be glorified. And look at the glory that you and your parents are bringing God in speaking into something that's hidden. It's in the darkness. I see the the um, the wall hanging behind you. Faith is pulling it out of the darkness. So you're mm-hmm. shedding light Amen. on something that is very, very dark. So how glorifying to God is that? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and your Holy mom, your mom, prayer warrior in her. Uh, I I believe it was a a photo that I saw of your mom in her shower of a bathroom they didn't use. And that was her prayer room. And she had prayer requests all over the walls and and a cross made out of sticks that she had tied together. And this is what your mom said in your book. I was glad that Christopher was no longer doing drugs because now you are in prison and that our relationship was much closer because you were finally talking on the phone. But I had prayed specifically that God, this ladies, listen up, this is hard to do. That God would do whatever it took to bring my son to him. Not to us, she said. Not out of drugs, she didn't ask. Mm. Not out of homosexuality, but to the Father. Wow. Powerful. If someone comes to you and says, I believe that my child has same-sex attraction, what would you share with them? Well, my, my first question is always, does your child know Jesus? Not have they been baptized, not do they go to church, not are they involved in youth ministry, but are is there really tangible, visible fruit of a re- renewed life in Jesus? Because that's really the most important question. Um, it's not so much do they wrestle with sin, because we all do, but have they submitted fully to the to the lordship of, of Jesus Christ? And um, that's always my first question. Kind of the sexuality or whatever is really secondary or tertiary. It's not the most important question. That's always my first question. Where is there evidence or, you know, are they following Jesus? Ladies, if- that's our only anchor. That's our only one mm-hmm. that keeps us on the, the narrow path. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, you're probably wondering, you know, what are we talking about? This is him for her Radio Women's Hot Topics. And today's topic we're talking about is called I Was Born This Way, A Gay Son Journey to God. And we're talking in part two here. Listen to part one, please. Listen to his story. Listen to, you know, um, what brought him to this point of what we've been sharing right now. And we're talking about parenting and how to pray for your children and what to say to your children when they first come up to you. Christopher, I have, a, I have an interesting question for you. Um, in your book, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, and I, I take my books with me on my iPad, so I've always got, had my uh, iPad with me. But the Good Samaritan story is so common in Sunday school. Our kids mm-hmm. learn about it, like Jonah and the Ark, or Noah and the Ark and Jonah and, and such. It's also a story used often in sermons. You know, typically it's set such that we're to choose which one of the three passing by the injured man we should emulate but you define humankind as the traveler and jesus as the good samaritan how does that relate to how we identify ourselves yeah it's it's huge because you know we um you know because i've heard this sermon uh, you know people preach on this all the time and people write on it and and we put the emphasis upon the good samaritan you know we have ministries named after that we have hospitals named after that but to me, that was just talking about works righteousness, just do good, be a good person. But that is so contrary to the message of Jesus. You never hear Jesus talking about just do good things. Right. It's talking about submitting 
to the Lord, submitting to Jesus, submitting to God, because we're sinners. Mm-hmm. And and so I never found how that fit in until I read very carefully when Jesus, at the very end, when he told the parable, he he flipped it around. He flipped the story on its head, which he does all the time, and we, we miss it. He said, he did not say after the whole story, he didn't say of these three people, the Levite priest and the Samaritan, which of these three saw this man who was robbed as his neighbor. So in other words, this man was the neighbor. That's not what Jesus said. He said, which of these three was a good neighbor to the man? Like we have to follow this very, very carefully and Mm -hmm. put on your thinking cap and watch it. He just flipped the whole story on its head. And then we need to ask, why did he do that? I believe the reason why was not to say, so therefore you need to be like the good Samaritan. The reason why uh, the, the Samaritan was the good neighbor, because remember, we have to read this in context, as we learned very well in Bible Study Fellowship, read it in context, yes. that the whole parable was initiated by the question, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gave this answer. He didn't, he didn't answer. He, his answer was the parable. And so who is my neighbor was answered by this. The neighbor is the good Samaritan. But what does that mean? So I love the Samaritan in context, historical context, as a Jewish person, it was impossible for them to love a Samaritan man. So therefore, how do you love a Samaritan, someone unlovable in, in, in our eyes or in the Jewish man's eyes? The only way is to put yourself in the shoes of the guy who was robbed. Why? Because if you think about this, this person was probably a Jewish man traveling between these two cities. He was robbed. He was unconscious. And then when he came to, he, he probably thought the hotel uh, or the, the, the innkeeper was his savior, but the innkeeper said, I didn't do anything. I was just paid. It was a Samaritan that helped him. When he realized that, I bet his view of Samaritans, and everyone changed. Why? Mm -hmm. Because of someone loving him first. And so that's why I think the way that we are to love our neighbors, not to try to emulate the Good Samaritan, but it's actually to put ourselves in the shoes of that man who was robbed, because honestly, we all have been robbed and beaten up by the world and by our sin, and everyone passed us by, but then someone stopped, and his name is Jesus. And because Jesus stopped and poured oil on our wounds, put us, took us to the end, and even paid the price for us to recover and be healed with his life, then, and only then, when, once we realize that, can we then go and love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. I think that is really the proper way to understand the Good Samaritan parable. It's not to say, I need to be a good person like the Good Samaritan. It's first and foremost to realize, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I've been beaten up by the world, and everyone passed me by, but someone stopped in his name and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And because Jesus loved me, I'm going to love others. And I think everyone needs to keep that in mind when they read that story to their kids. Amen. Absolutely, absolutely. On uh, in your book, when you were in prison, you said, "I thought that God would restore me and bring me back from captivity." Resonated deep within my spirit. At this point, the world would be happy for me to be locked away for good. And, ladies, those of you who've been car- incarcerated, and gentlemen, I know you know what I'm talking about. And yet, God was saying something completely different. He wanted to be part of my life. No matter who I was, no matter what I had done, he doesn't see me as a criminal, you said. He did see me. He didn't see me as a felon. He didn't see me as a number, but rather he saw me and saw hope. And you wrote a wonderful book called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. And you use the framework of the gospel 
to talk about sexuality. Can you share about why you even titled that book that? Yeah, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel. Well, I mean, once we keep the, the hope of Jesus Christ, that we're broken, that we're sinners in light of that, and then also using the framework of God's redemptive story, the God's grand story, which is creation, fall, redemption, and consummation, that helps us to understand not only sexuality, not only our ultimate purpose, but also who we are, what's our purpose here on earth, and even understanding our fallenness in light our sexuality in light of our fallenness really helps us to better understand uh, just everything. Uh, so really, holy sexuality in the gospel, I've had people tell me, I pick it up for my, you know, my gay son or my lesbian daughter, and they realize I pick it up and, and, and they were, it was actually for me, you know, yeah. actually to help me to under, better understand marriage, better understand my own desires and temptations, because that was my purpose. Because when we put it under the right framework, and we diagnose this correctly as this is a simple behavior, this is a sin, sin problem, meaning it's a human problem, right. well then the solution and the answer is really for all of us. Holy sexuality is not just about what we shouldn't do. There's a lot of good books out there that kind of go over the biblical passages on, on you know, what the Bible is telling us that homosexuality is wrong, and those are good, important books and things to say. But what I realize is we cannot build a Christian life on God's no. What's mm-hmm. God's yes? And that was my, the purpose of my book, you know, to talk about holy sexuality, which is chastity and singleness, or faithfulness in marriage. And that is good news for all. So amen for that. And my friends who are living a lifestyle of same-sex attraction, I don't want you to hear, okay, God doesn't love me, or I'm an abomination. He didn't talk about that. He talked about the sin. He loves you so much. And so I really encourage you to pick up Holy Sexuality in the Gospel. You can find it on Amazon. You can also go to Christopher's website, which is ChristopherUon.com, and that's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-Y-A-N.com. I'm going to have the link on Y-U-A-N. our website. Y-U-A-N. Did I, I, it's in my notes the right way. I said it the wrong way. <laughs> and so please go um, on our website at himforher.org. Click on that, and you'll see all of um, the options that you have. And his website is fabulous if you want a speaker. He's doing virtual speaking now, too, um, during part of this COVID time. Uh, Miss Becky, we only have a minute left. And I know you got another question burning in you. What do you want to ask our guest today? Christopher, I am so thrilled with the information that you've provided for us through all three of your books. How are you handling this, and, and what kind of speaking um, events do you do for kids on college campuses, especially at Christian universities and Christian campuses? Yeah, you know, it's still, um, I'm probably speaking a little less now, and I think some of it is maybe, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm even talking about even before COVID, um, some of it is just attention, because even though it's Christian school, not only are there, um, not every Christian school has all Christians that attend. Right. And so sometimes the schools are trying to be very sensitive, and so they don't talk about these things because they don't want to offend. I've spoken at Christian college campuses where there have been protests, silent protests, respectful protests, mm-hmm. but protests still. But my burden now is actually to, and my parents and I, is we're focusing on, on, on high school students and junior high mm-hmm. students. So actually right now we're in the process of adapting holy sexuality and the gospel for teens because i think we we are we're we're losing this generation and we're not we're not giving it they have too many unanswered questions mm-hmm. when it comes to sexuality and gender so um i'm i want to develop a curriculum and do some videos because that's how kids connect right. uh, so that's really my burden now to to do that even though i'm still 
the bulk of my ministry is still speaking in churches mm-hmm. and uh, equipping the, the church because I, I think that's really the only vehicle into that we're, uh, that's going to be able to storm the gates of hell and prevail. Amen uh, for so that. Christopher, think about yeah. middle schools and elementary schools as well. Mm-hmm. And thank you Amen. so much for coming on. I cannot thank you enough. Professor Christopher Yuan, go find him. Go on Amazon, find his books. He wrote another one called Giving a Voice to the Voiceless. Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, and of course, the one that we talked about the majority today, Out of a Far Country. Christopher, when you come up with these videos, would you please let me know? We'd love to have you come back on again. Sounds good. I will definitely do that. Thanks for having me on, Shug and Becky. God bless you. This is Shug Burry, him for her, Radio Women's Hot Topics. Miss Becky Danielson, thank you for joining me. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they receive Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.